She's short and skinny, but she's strong. There were a lot of details that never came out. I know when I'm not wanted. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, as always, this stuff in lieu of actual entertainment. Alrighty then. Hello and welcome back. This is Storytime and I am Gamer Dude. Glad to have you with us for some more stories this week. Today I'm talking about memories. I mean, I always talk about memories. I'm always talking about things that I remember from my childhood or from when I was growing up or even stuff from three years ago, like our recent COVID episode. So Storytime is generally about memories anyway. But I got to thinking this week, and I have a lot of these little stray memories that I keep coming across in my daily life. You know, sometimes it's in preparation for a podcast, but sometimes it's in talking with Mrs. Gamer Dude, or sometimes it's just sitting quietly and something pops into my head and I go, oh yeah, I haven't thought about that in a while. So today's episode is going to be mostly wandering along memory lane. The problem is I don't think linearly. We're not going to go in a straight line. We're going to be all over the place today. So I'm warning you ahead of time. I don't really have a theme for today's episode except wandering through my head. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. It may be a scary thing, but let's find out together. What prompted today's episode was a conversation Mrs. Gamerdude and I were having over the weekend. We were talking about Easter, and I was telling her about how we would go up to my grandmother's house, my mom's mom's house in upstate New York. We would occasionally have Easter at our house, meaning my parents' house, the house I grew up in, and we would occasionally have Easter at my grandmother's house. Not my dad's mom. My dad's mom lived close. My dad's mom was about an hour away. My mom's mom was about four to five hours away. And so if we were going to spend Easter with her, it was a long weekend slash extended trip. I was trying to remember how long it was. I remember we always had Good Friday off from school, and my dad always had Good Friday off from work, so I know it was at least a three-day weekend. We may have left on Thursday nights after he got home from work, or maybe he took a half day. I can't remember exactly what the timing was, and I don't remember when we left. I can't believe that we left on Easter Sunday that night, but I don't specifically remember leaving on Monday either. That's one of those vague little memories that, as a kid, it doesn't stick with you. Ordinarily, the way our vacations worked at school was we had Good Friday off and then spring break followed that week. So you would have Good Friday off and then the following week in its entirety for spring break. At least that's my recollection. I could be way off base on this, but that's the way I remember it. But with my dad, he always had to take vacation days, and I'm not sure that he would take an extra vacation day for a long weekend. Knowing my dad the way I do, he saved up all his vacation days for the summer. Didn't want to waste them on spring break. But I do remember the drive up to my grandmother's house. I always remember getting there at night, which is what suggests to me that we left on Thursday nights after my dad's work. Now, the two odd little memories that I have from my grandmother's house at Easter time were of the milkman and of the bowling alley. I know they sound totally disconnected, and they basically are. The only reason they're connected at all is because in my head they happened at the same time, which they kind of did. I mean, we didn't go bowling with the milkman, but let me explain. When I was a little kid and we visited my grandmother, she still had a milkman. Back in the day, you didn't go to the grocery store to get milk. I mean, you could if you lived near a grocery store. But in certain small towns, and this included upstate New York, the dairy farmers still had milkmen go around and deliver milk and butter to their customers. So you didn't have to go to the store to get milk or butter or eggs. Yes, I'm that old that I lived in a time when we had milkmen deliver milk, butter, and eggs to the house. And I remember the milkman. 
I don't remember him personally. I don't remember what he looked like. I just remember he delivered milk to my grandmother's house. And she would have this insulated box out on the porch. And the milkman would put bottles of milk in this box. And when I say bottles, I mean actual glass bottles. Back then, the milk was bottled at the dairy farm. And I was explaining this to Mrs. Gamerdude, too, because she'd never seen bottles like my grandmother had. There was a milk bottle. It was about a quart size. I think the milk came in quart size bottles. So basically half of a two liter bottle of soda. She would get four quart bottles of milk. That would be a gallon of milk. And that would last our family about a day. Because don't forget, I had two siblings, a mother and a father, and we all drank milk. Well, except for dad. I don't think dad drank milk. But the rest of us all drank our milk. And so when we went to go visit my grandmother, she had to lay in an order of extra milk. And the milkman would deliver that on the Friday, Good Friday, that we were there for Easter weekend. Now, the glass bottle was a glass bottle. I mean, it's a glass bottle. Thick at the bottom, narrow neck at the top. You've seen a milk bottle before. If you haven't, Google milk bottles. And a lot of the dairies had their own artwork on the bottle. They'd have the dairy name, Welsh Farm. They'd have a picture of a cow or a stable on the bottle. And then the top of the bottle had a little cardboard cap. And the cardboard cap fit snugly into the neck of the bottle. There was a little ridge there that held the cardboard cap in place. So when you wanted your milk, you'd have to reach in, pull the tab on the cardboard stopper, pull it out, and then you could pour your milk. And then you'd put the stopper back in and put the milk back in the fridge. Yes, you kept the milk in the fridge. The insulated box on the porch was to keep the milk fresh till Grandma got up. Because the milkman would be up at the crack of dawn. The milkman would be delivering milk between 4 and 6 a.m. So he would deliver it to my grandmother's house, put it in the metal insulated box, and then when Grandma got up, she brought the milk inside the house. But I remember those milk bottles, and I remember those little cardboard tabs, or those cardboard stoppers with a little tab on them. I seem to remember that the cardboard stoppers also had artwork on them, and I seem to remember that they were collectible. But the problem with those, they don't last. They got wet from the milk. They got bent out of shape from the overuse. Every time you pulled it out of the bottle, you loosened it up and weakened it up. But I seem to remember reading somewhere that those were collectible. But I know milk bottles for many years were collectible. Because they stopped making milk bottles. We all get milk in those plastic containers now. You don't find milk in glass bottles anymore. You don't find milk from dairy farmers anymore. I mean, if you live in the country, if you live in a rural area, you probably can find some milk from a dairy farmer. But those small, independent little producers, they don't exist anymore. They don't put milk in bottles anymore. But I remember them vividly. The other thing I remember vividly about the trips to my grandmother's house at Easter time was the bowling alley. Now, this is where I learned to love bowling. I don't know why I loved bowling. I don't know what attracted me to the sport. I mean, I loved baseball. I loved football. As I got older, I loved basketball. But really, the first sport that I actually loved was bowling. I've mentioned my grandfather in the past, my mom's dad. I've mentioned sitting on the couch with him, his big white socked feet next to me on the couch. I was like three years old at the time, so I don't really remember his face or his body or anything but those big white socked feet right next to me on the couch. But I remember from those early days, my grandfather watched, among other things, bowling on television. A long, long time ago, bowling was huge on television. You can still find it these days on FS1. They still have the PBA bowling matches on TV on FS1. But back in the day, it was network TV, like ABC or CBS, one of those. It was a Saturday afternoon staple. You could put bowling on, and my grandfather watched bowling, and I watched it with him. Well, I remember there was a bowling alley near my grandmother's place, and I remember that because on Easter Sunday, for whatever reason, the bowling alley was open. And I remember what we would do is after church, we always went to church on Easter Sunday. 
But after church, not every Easter, but a few Easters, my dad would take us kids, me, my brother, and sister, to the bowling alley and let us bowl a couple of games while grandma and my mom got Easter dinner ready. I don't remember why that was a thing, except probably to keep us out of mom and grandma's hair and maybe to give my dad a break too. Of course, how much of a break is it to have to watch three kids at the bowling alley? But my dad did that. He took us all bowling. Now, again, this is the funny thing with memories. My memory is he took all three of us bowling. But I'm the oldest. My brother is about five years younger than me. And he may have been too little to go bowling. He may have gone to my grandmother's house. I don't remember that clearly. But the thing I do remember clearly, bowling on Easter Sunday. Again, I don't know what the thought process was behind taking us bowling, except to get us out of mom and grandma's hair. But it worked. And the thing is, it was so memorable, it stayed with me for years. I wanted to go bowling every single time we went to my grandmother's house. We didn't, but every time we went to my grandmother's house, that was something I always asked. Can we go bowling? Can we go bowling? But we only did it that Easter weekend. When I got older and got my driver's license, I've told you this before. One of our social activities was to go bowling. When I was in high school, the little group of folks that I hung out with from the band, yes, I was in the band, and I had some friends from the band, and our athletic endeavor was to go bowling on certain weekends. We'd pack everybody into my car, and we'd go to the local bowling alley. Actually, we had the choice of a couple of bowling alleys in New Jersey. One of them was Oakwood Lanes. I remember Oakwood Lanes, and I think Oakwood Lanes still exists. The other one was the Ledgewood Bowling Alley. I don't think that one still exists. But they were both within about a half hour of my house when I was a kid. And we would pack into my car and we'd drive to the bowling alley. And we'd put in a couple of hours of bowling and joking around and eating at the snack bar. Bowling is a great sport because you can bowl and you can have snacks while you're bowling. What better activity is there? Snacking and sporting at the same time. And it wasn't too expensive either. I think that's why we liked it. Like between gas and shoe rentals and snacks, each of us could get out of the bowling alley for less than 10 bucks. That was a great time, but it all started with the bowling alley at my grandmother's house for Easter. Thinking about Easter and talking about Easter with Mrs. Gamer Dude also got me thinking about some of the other things that resulted from our Easter break or resulted from the Easter holiday. The most obvious of those things is egg salad. Yes, a lot of my memories are about food. I love food, still do, but I remember egg salad because we had a lot of egg salad after Easter. Now, the way Easter worked in my family was each of the kids had a dozen eggs to search for. We used real eggs. We didn't use plastic eggs. I didn't discover that people hunted for plastic eggs until years after I moved out of my parents' house. I thought plastic eggs were mostly decoration. I also didn't realize people did Easter egg hunts outside. We never went outside. Our Easter egg hunts were always inside, in the living room, in the kitchen, with real eggs. The Easter Bunny would always hide three dozen, a dozen for each of us kids, and it was up to us to go find them on Easter morning, always before church. We had to get up early to get the Easter egg hunt in before church, because we didn't want to leave those eggs in the house till after church. So we'd get up, we'd have our baskets, of course, all the chocolate and jelly beans, and then we'd do the Easter egg hunt. Then we had to get ready for church. But obviously, with three dozen eggs, all hard-boiled, you had a lot of eggs in the fridge after Easter Sunday. What do you do with hard-boiled eggs? Egg salad. I happen to love egg salad. I know that people don't like egg salad. It's smelly. It doesn't last long. I love egg salad. I love just straight egg salad. Chop up the egg, put some mayo in it, spread that on the bread. Boom. That's a beautiful sandwich to me. I love a plain egg salad sandwich. My dad put a spin on egg salad that I also thought was delicious. 
You make your egg salad the way you usually do, but then you get sweet gherkins, those little tiny pickles you can get at the grocery store. Sweet gherkins, that's what they're called. You chop them up in little pieces, mix that in with your egg salad. Boy, oh boy, is that a nice addition. And if you don't want to go with the sweet gherkins, there's another way to do the exact same thing, or almost the exact same thing. Get some sweet pickle relish. If you make egg salad, take a spoonful of sweet pickle relish, mix that in with your egg salad. Oh, man, is that some good eating. You put that sweet pickle relish egg salad on a couple of pieces of toast. That's one heck of a sandwich. And boy, oh boy, did I love egg salad. Still do. Still make egg salad. Love egg salad. So we had a lot of egg salad after Easter. You can also make deviled eggs with those eggs. A little more complicated than egg salad. I mean, egg salad, you just chop up the eggs and mix it with mayo. Boom, there's your egg salad. With the deviled eggs, you have to peel the egg. Then you have to cut the hard-boiled egg in half. You have to take the yolk out. Then you mix the yolk only with some mayo and some seasoning if you want. Pepper, salt. You could put your pickle relish in there too if you want to. And then you put that mixed up yolk into the egg white that you haven't chopped up. And that's a deviled egg. But that takes too much time. When you're a kid, all you want is your egg salad on a piece of bread. That's it. That's all I need. Egg salad on bread. You know, a close relative of the egg salad is tuna salad. Also a smelly, often socially unacceptable lunch. Has nothing to do with Easter. It's just another smelly food that I happen to like. But I was always self-conscious about bringing either tuna or egg salad to lunch if I was going to be sitting near or working near or having lunch with other people. Is it crazy that I was worried about offending people with the smell of my lunch? That's the way my mind worked. Oh, I love egg salad, but I know not everybody does. I was always aware of that. It's like one of the reasons I won't ever make popcorn in a public microwave. I know people go to their work. They have popcorn in the vending machine. They have a microwave in the break room. And they go buy the popcorn and put it in the microwave. And they have no qualms about making popcorn in a common area. Even though the smell of burnt popcorn, and they always burn it. Even though the smell of burnt popcorn is so annoying because they want their popcorn snack and they don't care what anybody else thinks. I felt the same way about my tuna and egg salad. I loved it, but I was always conscious about bringing it to a place where I was sharing space with other people. I didn't want to offend people with my egg salad or tuna salad. But tuna salad was always good too. I loved tuna salad. I didn't mix anything in with tuna salad. I know some people chop up celery and they add that to their tuna salad. I'm not a big fan of that. I don't like my tuna salad to be crunchy. Just mix my tuna with some mayo, slap that on a slice of bread, boom, I'm happy. One of the worst things that ever happened to my tuna salad sandwich experience was when I was a kid. My mom went to a party where they were having different kinds of hors d'oeuvres and they were having a full-blown meal. I'm trying to remember if we went to the party because I think it was a church party. I think it was all the church people there. I seem to remember it because they had a tuna spread that was on crackers at this party. I know. It's hard to believe people would have a tuna spread as an hors d'oeuvre at a party. After everything I've just said about the smell of tuna fish, it's hard to believe someone would do that. But they did. But I remember they made the tuna with some extra seasoning in it. And I remember my mom asked what the seasoning was. And the host of the party told my mom that they had put some curry powder in the tuna. They'd made the tuna the usual way. Some tuna in a bowl with mayonnaise, a little curry in there. Now, I like curry. I don't have a problem with curry. And actually, if you put a little curry in your tuna, it is quite tasty. Occasionally. But after that party, my mom never made tuna fish without curry again for the rest of her life. She never had non-curry tuna. I think she even got my dad to eat it, and my dad didn't like spices. My dad wouldn't let me use pepper in food. But when my mom put curry in the tuna, he ate that tuna. And it's fine on occasion. But until I moved out of my mom's house, 
I went years having to deal with curry in my tuna. The other thing we would have with tuna, not often, but we would have it occasionally, and I think I mentioned this before, my mom would occasionally make tuna casserole. Tuna casserole is one of those foods that has kind of disappeared. Tuna casserole used to be a staple. I still think you can find tuna helper in the supermarket. You've heard of hamburger helper? They used to have a big advertising campaign for tuna helper. I honestly haven't looked for it in years, but I seem to remember seeing it. I definitely remember the advertisements. But you didn't need tuna helper to have tuna casserole. I mean, tuna casserole was basically a can of tuna fish. You mix it in with some cheese, a can of mixed vegetables, you know, the chopped up carrots and the peas and the corn. You throw a can of cream of mushroom soup into the casserole dish. And of course, you have to add the egg noodles. Throw that in the oven. That's a hot meal. That was dinner. As I said, we didn't have tuna casserole all that often, but I do remember having it. That's one of those dishes that has just kind of faded by the wayside. As I sit here talking about it, I kind of remember, oh yeah, that was okay. But I'm not getting a burning, yearning desire to go out and make a batch of tuna casserole. You can try it if you want to. I'm not saying it's bad. It's just not overly memorable. I guess that's the word I'm looking for. I mean, I remember it. It's just not something that I'd preserve in a museum of the best meals I've ever eaten. Let's put it that way. Now, I'm going to step away from the food for a minute and talk about one of those other childhood memories that has stayed with me, but that I'm also glad has changed over the years. I'm going to start with bike helmets, but that's going to take me to roller skates as well. And you'll see how I get there. I grew up in a time where we didn't have to wear bike helmets. Bike helmets just simply weren't a thing. And I've fallen off my bike a number of times, and I didn't crack my head open. And is it entirely possible that I could have cracked my head open? Absolutely. I went over the handlebars, I went down on my side, I drove over a little cliff into a stream. Yeah, I've done all kinds of stupid things on a bike. So I understand the need for bike helmets. We grew up without them, there's nothing wrong with having to wear them, and it makes sense to wear a bike helmet. Yes, we all survived without them. We all survived without seatbelts, too. My seatbelt was my mom's arm. We didn't wear seatbelts when I was a kid in the car, and we all survived. But not everybody did. That's why they introduced seatbelts for kids. That's why they introduced bike helmets. It allows more of us to survive, which is a good thing. But I remember riding my bike everywhere, never having to worry about a helmet, never having to worry about pads, never having to worry about anything but getting on the bike and going. The other thing that we used as a way to get around, although this was more of an entertainment thing than an actual way to get around, we had roller skates. But these were not roller skates that are like skates on the bottom of a boot that you get at a roller rink. And it's different from roller blades. There's two different kinds of skates. There's the roller blades, which look like hockey skates, but they have a single blade on the bottom, except instead of a metal blade that goes on ice, it's a blade that's filled with wheels, and you roll around on that single blade. But at a roller rink, they have a boot, and that boot has wheels bolted to the bottom of it. That's a roller skate, at least at a roller rink. They do still have roller rinks in some places. If you've never been, it's worth at least experiencing once. Roller rinks used to be everywhere. That was another way to entertain yourself. Go to the roller rink on the weekend, and you could rent the skates there, and you'd get these boots with four wheels on them, two on the front, two in the back. Not in a line like on a roller blade, but these were actual roller skates. But they also had roller skates that you could wear not at a roller rink. These are roller skates that you could wear at home. You could use them on the sidewalk, use them in the playground, use them in the garage. Now, these were metal skates that you would fasten to your shoe. Now, you have to remember, when I was a kid, we didn't wear sneakers all of the time. We didn't wear basketball shoes. Most kids had leather shoes of some kind. You know, regular leather shoes that you had to tie and that you would wear to go to school in. 
In a lot of cases, sneakers weren't even allowed in school except for gym class. So these skates, these metal skates, would clamp to the bottom of a regular shoe. And when I say clamp, I mean clamp. The skates had a little nut that you had to tighten onto your shoe. So you would open up the nut, you'd put your foot into the metal skate, and then you'd use what was called a skate key, which was a little wrench that fit over the nut that tightened the skate and held it to your shoe. And that's how you would roller skate when you were a kid. If you couldn't go to the roller rink, if you just wanted to skate around your house, not inside, obviously, mom would have your head if you skated on the wooden floors, but you could skate in the basement, you could skate in the garage, you could skate on the driveway, if it was paved, if it was gravel, you were asking for trouble. You could skate in the playground at the school, but you would fasten those metal skates to your shoes with a skate key, and that's how we skated around. Now, those skates worked because you had that solid leather sole on a regular pair of shoes. There was a little clamp and a little edge to the clamp that fastened to the sole of the shoe. They wouldn't work on sneakers or tennis shoes. Now, I'm sure that they've had variations of those come out over the years, and I'm sure they've created some kind of Velcro strap. I actually haven't looked because I haven't needed roller skates in a while, but I remember those old metal skates and the old metal skate key that we used to have, and if we lost the skate key, we couldn't go skating because there was no other way to tighten the skates onto your shoes. So you had to protect that skate key at all costs. I don't remember what happened to the metal skates. I just remember we used them and we had a great time with them. One other little thing that popped into my head, we used to have to have those little valves that you would put in a football or a basketball to pump it up. I still have one because I still have basketballs and footballs that need to be pumped up and I still have a hand pump too. I remember holding on to that valve because it was like gold. If you didn't have that, you couldn't use your football. You couldn't use your basketball. The pump was hard to lose because that was a decent sized thing. But that little valve was maybe an inch and a half long and small enough to fit into the little inflation port. Is that what it's called? The inflation port? Well, it is now. It was small enough to fit into that on your basketball or on your football and then you could pump it up. And yeah, I still have one. But how many people still pump up their own basketballs? How many people still pump up their own footballs? Only the diehards, I think. Anyway, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you for listening. As always, I appreciate your support, and I appreciate you taking the time to be here for this episode and all of the episodes of Storytime. Until next time, you guys take care of yourselves, and I'll see you when I see you.